This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Wednesday, January 18th. Here's the weather forecast for today. Cloudy, there's a slight chance of showers or drizzle early this morning. The high today, believe it or not, plus 5 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, ground-penetrating radar has revealed anomalies at a former Ontario residential school. Number two, new COVID variant is worrying public health officials. Number three, tunneling has started on the sky. Scarborough Subway Extension. Number four, inflation rates slacking off in December. And number five, the Rogers Center trumpeting upgrades as the baseball season approaches. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Well, happy Wednesday. At least I'm hoping it's happy. Nick Mirren, are you happy this morning? Yes, at uh, 5.07, sure, why not? You are, I have to say, an unrelentingly contented person, it would seem, unless you are completely suppressing everything and you're about to Did go I off on Did I ask you, something. John? Did I really ask you? Yes. I usually am. I Thank you. I, I, I always <laughs> felt that uh, you always put your best foot forward, always have a positive attitude, and good things happen. I try to. But, you know, I found myself reflecting after Saturday and the passing of David Onley, and I was talking about this on Monday. He was just so positive and sunny and welcoming, and it kind of made, made me a little bit ashamed about being such a full-time grump. Like I said, I try to be a positive person, um, but, you know, there are, there are days. Uh, lots of things to discuss in the news today, including the discovery of what they're calling anomalies, but they are possible burials at a Kenora residential school. This is a school that operated from 1897, closed down in 1972. School was previously known as the, I don't know why anybody would call something like this, but uh, the Rat Portage Boarding School. That, that's a welcoming spot, isn't it? Somebody call Wednesday. Uh, Rat Portage Boarding School, Kenora Boarding School, and St. Anthony's Roman Catholic School. And as mentioned, operated from 1897, closed in 1972. And it's just, you know, one in a pattern of discoveries. And the big question now is, you know, what is going to happen at the schools where they have discovered these possible unmarked graves. Are they going to excavate them? Are they going to try to identify the individuals? Are they going to repatriate the remains? Something I've learned in my latest study, you may know I've been taking an Indigenous studies course, and Indigenous people, um, their common practice is that wherever you may be buried should remain your, your burial place. And so the idea... Um, and I have a story, actually, to tell you later on today about yet another soldier who's been dead more than a century. But they discovered the remains, identified them through DNA, and they're going to repatriate them to another grave site. And the family, the remaining family, and 100 years later, that's pretty distant relations, um, will attend a military funeral for this individual. But that is not the standard practice, apparently, amongst indigenous people who believe that you should remain, you know, that your burial place is sacred and that should remain where you are. But this triggers a lot of questioning once again. And I know that for whatever reason, it's a bit like how some people seem to require that something 
uh, like the, you know, um, murder of a black man by a police officer, you got to find a reason to explain it away. And there's been considerable efforts at trying to explain away these unmarked graves. And while there is integrity to accounts, including by some friends of mine in, in journalism at the National Post, that say these were not mass graves, and you know you're absolutely right. Uh, they are not. And some people characterize them as such, and they aren't. They are unmarked graves. But they are also evidence of the fact that kids were kidnapped from their parents and their their communities. They were put into boarding schools against their will. And when they died, sometimes their parents weren't even told about it. And then they were buried and their graves were unmarked. And if you do not mark a grave, then it is a signal that the person in it doesn't really matter. And I think that's the gross offense here. So we'll certainly talk about that story on the show this morning. And it'll be part of the morning brief and uh, 745, 845, the roundtables. We'll see what people have to say. But I think the significance here is twofold. One is another discovery of possibly unmarked graves. The other would be now it's in Ontario. So, you know, if there was anybody trying to sort of wash their hands, and I don't know that there ever was, of all of this, then, yeah, we, we had this here right in our own province. We'll talk about this in greater detail on um, what Toronto is talking about when we hook up with our friends at CP24 just a few minutes from now. Uh, but there is a new COVID variant, and it cracks me up that it's called Kraken because that just, you know, the, it it's one thing to have something called, you know, B2456. It's another to say, I got the Kraken. Uh, but yeah, and I've been noticing this. I check the dashboard every single morning as we prepare for the show, uh, just to look at diagnoses doesn't means any, mean anything anymore because countless people are constantly testing positive for COVID. And in some respects, it's just like the common cold these days. You know, they'll, so, they'll, oh, I'm positive for COVID. I'll stay home. Uh, it's how many people are in the hospital. And over the last three weeks or so, there has definitely been a spike. And it was in the double digits last week. This week, it's in the single digits. But there has been an uptick in the number of people who are hospitalized. That, for me, is always the signal that we have to pay attention to. Because for every person who's in the hospital with COVID, first of all, that's a matter of concern. But it also means there are people sitting in the emergency waiting room who are not being seen and that there are people who possibly might not be getting the treatment that they need because the hospital and medical workers are preoccupied with COVID. Another thing we'll endeavor to explore this morning, there's a lot of stuff that happened yesterday but needs more context, and so that's what we're hoping to do on the show today. So, for example, Preet Banerjee is somewhat felicitously on the morning brief today. And Preet is a finance expert. So we'll ask him what he makes of the inflation figures that came in yesterday for the month of December. But I am very excited that the inflation rate is slaking off. Even more excited, again, to get back to the same term, if I can be self-felicitous. Um, but I had predicted a long time ago 
that the inflation rate, which peaked at, I think, like 8.8%, I got to go back through the figures um, in the month of June, but that once we got to the end of the year, the annualized inflation rate would be about 6.5%. And as we discovered, it ended up being 6.3%. Now, if you are shopping for the groceries today, then the fact that the annualized inflation rate came in at 6.3% is no comfort if groceries are 11 and 12% more expensive. Not all of them, but many of them, especially fresh produce, things like eggs and butter. Um, but still, this is an indication that the tapping of the brakes at the central bank is working, and it looks like they're probably going to opt for another 0.25% hike in the central bank rate when they set it later on this month. But at the very least, it shows that, you know, the telemetry in all of this shows that things are getting better uh, or less worse. Let's phrase it that way. All right. Time for what Toronto is talking about with News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, happy Wednesday. Good to see you again. We've made it to the middle of the week. We have. And it's nice to see you, Jennifer. And of course, people listening to News Talk 1010 are listening to you right now. And people watching CP24 can finally see that I have some questionable hair this morning. <laughs> it looks good from this vantage point, John. Oh, there's a little fluff at the top. Uh, no worries there. Uh, so, John, let's start with this one. A, a very sad news. A first for Ontario, 171 potential grave sites found at a former residential school near Kenora. This is becoming an all-too-familiar story in Canada, and it's the first time, as you said, that it has happened in Ontario. It's a place called St. Mary's Indian Residential School. It operated from 1897 to 1972, and it's not absolutely confirmed that these are graves, but as you mentioned, they found 171 plausible burials. Only five of them were marked. Mm -hmm. All right, turning to uh, some medical news, uh, John, we've been talking about this uh, so-called Kraken subvariant that could soon become dominant in Ontario. I believe the medical term is XXB.1.5. Yeah, it has a formal name, XBB.1.5, but I love that they're calling it Kraken. It just <laughs> right. sounds fairly radical, a bit sci-fi. But the real problem here is if you look at the telemetry or the dashboards that they issue for the number of people who have been hospitalized, it has been going up over the last couple of weeks. Last week, it was about 14% more people were in hospital emergency rooms and uh, intakes uh, because of the new surge. And this week, I think, the week to week number is 4.5 increase. We're far from inundated with this, but we're definitely in a new, a brand new wave. Yeah, absolutely. And Public Health Agency of Canada telling people, you know, just do what you've always done to protect yourself. But yeah, every time I hear the name Kraken, mm -hmm. I can't help but think, you know, that poor NHL Seattle hockey team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a great name to be named after. All right. And uh, this is also interesting, John, more organ donations from made patients made, of course, as medical assistance in dying donors. It's a little grim, but it's also, I think, tremendous news. I've always made organ donation one of the campaigns that I like to very much support in the work that I do. And they find that of 286 assisted death recipients who were recorded in recent times, uh, there were life-saving organs that were harvested and went to 837 patients. And there's a couple of interesting aspects to this, one of them being that the means by which people end their lives apparently does not damage the organs and it is actually possible to uh, have medical assistance in dying at home and yet still be emergency transported <clears throat> to the hospital in order for your organs to be harvested mm, interesting 
Okay, and turning to this now, transportation, we love talking about it. Yesterday was congestion, now construction on public transit. Tunneling is beginning on that subway RT, RT station. Yeah, stuff gets done occasionally in this town. And one of the things that's getting done is the beginning of the massive tunnel boring that is going to have to happen for the Scarborough extension. And I love that the machine that they're using to do this boring is called Diggy Scar, uh, Star, uh, Scar Dust, which is a reference to... <laughs> David Bowie. Wow. And you know what? I've actually been inside one of these boring machines when they were conducting the Eglinton Crosstown. And it's a fascinating experience because it's this giant uh, machine mm -hmm. that begins boring into the soil. And as it goes into the soil and creates this, um, you know, uh, chamber, they immediately start inserting the cement that will become wow. the tunnel. Uh, so it's a remarkable process. Wow, that is cool. That's like an underground submarine and more. <laughs> yep. All right, and this is, uh, I don't know if Oshawa is seeing as much snow as we are here in Toronto, but they could soon ban most <laughs> tobogganing. Well, here's the thing, though, and this is one of those stories where it's possibly too good to be true. So we contacted the mayor of Oshawa. Uh, the story was they were going to be banning tobogganing, which is just one of those Grinch-like things that people absolutely adore as a news and talk radio story. Mm -hmm. But when we contacted the mayor, he actually responded to us on our show directly. Mm -hmm. And he said, we have not banned tobogganing. I'm just reading from the statement on my screen. So thank you. No story here. Whoa, <laughs> that's a bit testy. Rare for a Wednesday. <laughs> All right, tobogganing is alive. That is New Talk 1010's John Moore. Catch him live 507 a.m. to 9 a.m. Have a great Wednesday, John. Thank you. Jennifer Sheng, who is the uh, early anchor along with Nick Dixon over at CP24. And yeah, I, uh, I've enjoyed a lot of very lucky experiences in my career. It's one of the reasons I got into this business is because I'm relentlessly curious. And if you're a media person, then you get access to things. So when I was on that tunnel boring machine, whatever you want to call it, underneath Eglinton, it was absolutely remarkable. It was a day where they brought in at Metrolinx, me and Steve Pakin, because we're both rail geeks. And we went deep down into the tunnel system and got on board this machine. And as I was describing to Jennifer, it's a huge cylinder. That was the word I was looking for. It's a gigantic cigar tube. And it just has this thing on the front of it that relentlessly carves into rock and to earth. And then all of that falls down, ends up being removed from the tunnel by a row row ramp and taken to dump trucks, and I guess probably goes to the Leslie Spit. And then as that tunnel is created, and they can only do about 10 meters a day, as that tunnel is created, another aspect of this machine is inserting these prefabricated pieces of concrete to create the tunnel walls. And then the crazy, craziest part of this, I'm, I'm big on like engineering feats. I watch those shows on Discovery all the time. Um, what happens is they build the tunnel, and then when they build a station, then they have to pound into the cement tunnel for the extent of where the station is in order to create the opening for where eventually the train is going to pull in. So, yeah, I'm very excited, I have to say, about the Eglinton Crosstown. I'm very excited about the Ontario line. Not as excited about the Scarborough line for reasons I will elucidate later on in the show. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 
Happy Wednesday. Three degrees already on a day where we're trucking for a high of plus five degrees. The time is 537. Don't know if it was dominant everywhere in southern Ontario, but boy, did we ever have some fog yesterday afternoon. And it came in on little cat feet. And yeah, the ceiling just went from, I mean, I was coming home from the gym yesterday at like, I don't know, noon. And I could see all of the tops of all of the towers in downtown Toronto. And then out of nowhere, we had basically sort of London fog, ground level fog going on. And uh, that kind of dominated through the afternoon. But I guess that's what happens when you have a degree. Well, I don't know the science of it all, but it's about the temperature. And if you're on a winter's day and you're a few degrees above zero, then that is definitely a possibility. Anyway, we don't have to do nostalgia weather here. That was yesterday. Today, we're looking at cloudy skies once again and a high of five. Not going to dwell on the COVID story. I, frankly, the thing that I find most impressive is that this latest strain is called Kraken. And I was only just used to getting, uh, getting used to a hockey team being called the Kraken. And now we have, and I, I, don't, I don't know where this came from. You know, Joe Christianity, you should dig, dig around and find out why this particular strain is being called Kraken. Because previously, you know, they didn't have fancy pants names, but this is pretty, I mean, this is like a trademark kind of thing. I'm waiting for the Loch Ness Monster variant. I, I, would, I would look forward to that. Followed by the Sasquatch variant. Definitely. Well, but we'd never see it, right? It would never actually happen. It would only be talked about. Um, but there has been an uptick, and the problem would seem to be that this is more contagious. Whether or not it's a particularly serious strain doesn't seem clear. And the big question, whenever we identify a new variant of COVID, is always whether or not the vaccines are going to be effective or as effective against that particular variant as, as others. But um, Dr. Fahad Razak formerly of the Ontario Science Table, which they broke up and sent home at some point, um, talked about how very much so whenever they do testing. And think about this for a second. You know, I, I said this earlier in the show, but, you know, uh, people are testing and testing positive. I still see the two bars on their home tests that they post on the Internet. But nobody's actually not nobody, but a lot of those people are not going to a hospital or a medical facility or even registering their tests. So we don't know who's being diagnosed necessarily. And we only know what kind of COVID people are suffering from if they are in serious condition and end up with a medical professional. Uh, but still, this appears to be becoming the dominant strain. It's displacing the other variants around it. When all of these variants were flooding throughout the system throughout the fall, there wasn't really one clear version of the virus that was ascendant. But we're now seeing that with this version. Okay. So uh, Christine or Kristen Rushaway of the Toronto Star following up on the story that was uh, making headlines yesterday, and that would be three former union officials at OPSU who have been accused by their union of having absconded with funds. And we 
sent messages to um, Smokey Thomas, but he actually not only didn't reply, according to our records, did not even read the message that we sent to oh, him. Oh, no, he read the message. Oh, that, did he, that's, finally? That was, no, that was what I was saying to you. He left me on red, as the kids say. So on the iPhone, it says red and the time that he read the message, but then he never replied from there. Oh, okay, I didn't understand. It's yeah. uh, you, because you have a youthful approach that's to things. The, yeah, that's what so the kids say. So what do the kids say? say? On, on red. red. <laughs> That means somebody read your message, but they have no they, intention of responding. Exactly. They just blew it off. Okay. I learn something new every day. I look forward to having absolutely nothing to do with digital technology within the next <laughs> few years. Um, but just reading from what Kristen reports today, a lawsuit that alleges three former union leaders withdrew $670,000 from a strike fund, received unauthorized cash payouts and had union vehicles transferred to family members is, quote, riddled with errors, falsehoods, and untrue allegations, say the lawyers for Warren Smokey Thomas. Uh, he also used the word, apparently, at some point, bogus. So, you know, we'll, I'm sure, prove this stuff in court. But I have to think, when a union goes after some of its own personnel, then they must have some pretty serious evidence that something untoward has happened. So people are still talking about yesterday's guidance that it came out from health officials about what amount of alcohol is healthy. And as one doctor said, no amount of alcohol is good for you. But they now say that two drinks a week is basically... I'm trying to think of the phrase because they're not saying it's acceptable or it's just that, you know, two drinks a week you get away with anything more than that. You risk several types of cancer, including breast and colon cancer. Uh, they're calling for warning labels on booze. The liquor and wine industry are already decrying that. But you have to wonder, is this the beginning of a change? Is this kind of like when they said, you know, smoking causes cancer and... Smoking used to be about 50 to 60% of the population smoked. And we're now down to the last time I saw figures, 12 or 13%. It's really the very last holdouts who are still smoking. But at the same time, I think there's an awful lot of people out there who are going to say, I'll take, I'll take the risk. And they may rue the day that they decided to drink that much. Maybe I will as well, because... It, the evidence is fairly clear that uh, liver disease, cancers of the throat, liver, esophagus, larynx, rectum, mouth, uh, all kinds of cardiovascular diseases are all linked to alcohol use. But I think that some people would just think that's sort of an assumed risk and keep moving. Because I'm not trying to endorse the idea of drinking. It's something, obviously, that I do. But... Um, when you are setting fire to uh, leaves and inhaling the smoke into your lungs, that's kind of a clear and present danger. Is the imbibing of alcohol on the same level, I guess, would be the question. But you can make your choices. I think, you know, I've, I've always said, and we'll talk to Dr. Zane Chagla this morning at 6.50 about this and other stories that are in the news, other medical stories. Um, but there are all kinds of things that doctors would tell you not to do, including eating French fries. 
but I think most people sort of assume everything in moderation. And by the way, I like French fries. If I wanted to live to 100, I guess I would just chow down on raw lettuce every day. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. And I will say I'm excited about what the Rogers Center is going to look like to the point where I think I'm probably going to buy up some seats for opening day and then take a bunch of people from here to a ball game. And I don't splurge. We're in the 500s. So you need a pair of binoculars to really follow the action. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing what the Rogers Center looks like. And they brought all, all kinds of journalists in yesterday to take a look. And as Rosie DeMano recounts, because she's a big sports fan, and I guess has spent some time watching baseball at the Rogers Center. Um, she writes today that the whole idea is focused on modernizing the fan experience. Now, I'm not one of those people, because I guess I don't know enough about watching sports firsthand. Um, I'm not one of those people who's ever gone to the Rogers Center and thought, here's what we need to change here. Um, but people who know baseball and know the fan experience have certainly weighed in. And so there's going to be all kinds of, of, of changes and all kinds of renovations have already happened. There's something, for example, called the catch bar. Mezzanine level above the visitor's bullpen, Rosie writes, offers a sleek and contemporary atmosphere with a different view of the ballpark with cocktails and trendy food bites on the menu. Park Social 500 level left field is more casual, open airspace, a park within a park aimed at families with games, milkshakes, and candy bars. The coolest addition, she continues, as much as I hate corporate shout-outs, is the Corona rooftop patio, 500-level right field, the highest roosting spot in the park with the CN Tower in the background, open to sun and stars. And incidentally, the seats at the 500-level are going to be wider. Um, so, And that's actually part of a trend that's been appearing in in all kinds of venues and it's because on average the the average person's hips are a little wider now than than they used to be back in the day so welcome news that with the final figures in for the month of december that inflation is beginning to drop off so the annual rate of inflation because what they do is every single month they come up with a year-to-year -year inflation rate and the worst of it was June to June. So June 2021 to June 2022. And that was in the 8% range. However, as the year continues, if the inflation rate goes down, then you end up with an overall annual inflation rate that also goes down. And so the final rate for 2022 is 6.3%. Um, the problem for an awful lot of people is in the categories that are not entirely discretionary, like food and gasoline, um, and, and rent and mortgage, the rate is much higher than 6.3%. Um, but it's welcome news. It shows that the central bank rate increase of the central um, loan rate has begun to have an impact. And normally that's got an 18-month lag. So this is all good news. And I know there's all kinds of people listening because the funny thing in this is there are some people who are invested in bad economic news. If you don't like one administration or another, then you want things to be going to hell in a handbasket. 
So in spite of the fact that you pay the ultimate penalty of high inflation, you like the fact that there's high inflation because it means you can complain about the government that you don't like. But this is collectively good news for Canadians that the inflation rate has eased for the calendar year to 6.3%. And it's predicted by the central bank over the next year to slake off until we get to about 3.5. And ultimately, probably in two or three years, we'll end up with the 2% target that the central bank always aspires to. Speaking of the price of things, NBC News Radio National Correspondent Aaron Real is here to talk about how shoppers are pushing back against high prices. Companies are starting to hit the brakes on increases and perhaps even absorbing some of the inflation just to keep things moving. Aaron, it's nice to have you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yes, it seems like shoppers, they've just had enough. They're not going to spend as much. Um, prices have hit their ceiling. And, and this is a good thing in terms of inflation. This is a good thing across the board, um, and maybe not if you're uh, Canagra brand. They own Hunt's Ketchup Slim Jim. They raised their prices 17% in the last quarter on top of two previous raises in the two previous quarters, both above 10%. The company said that it's done boosting prices for now. That Their sales volume fell by 8.4 in the quarter that ended on November 27th. And they attribute this in part to shoppers recoiling from price increases. They've just had enough. You have Constellation brands. They make Corona beer. They say they plan smaller price increases after higher than usual sales, um, uh, higher than usual sales increases in October. That's slowed sales growth for every month since. So, it's really coming down across the board. Unit sales of general merchandise, that's a core category that includes home decor, home appliances, that fell 7%. And then you also have unit sales of food and beverage, which we all need. You mentioned that before, you know, the rent, the food, these are things that you, you're, these are not optional. These are not luxury buys. But to dollar basis, they rose 10%. That showed consumers are willing to pay higher prices for groceries. But overall, it fell 3% which means they're buying fewer items. So whatever can be done to ease some of the pain of cost, it's being done by shoppers. And frankly, uh, retailers are going to have to adjust at this point. Aaron, thank you very much. Good to have you this morning. Thank you. Aaron Real from NBC Radio. And that's why in an economy that is, for the most part, working, inflation is kind of self-regulating. When you get into something crazy, like what happened in the Weimar Republic is one of the greatest examples, and Argentina uh, and Venezuela went through this as well, when inflation is completely out of control, and then people start running out and buying stuff one day for whatever price they can get it for because they're terrified it's going to be more expensive the next day, that is an irrational cycle. But in a more rational system, when the price of stuff goes up, people stop buying it. And so for, you know, like I said, with gasoline, most of us use a certain amount of gasoline every day or every week or every month, and there's just no way around it. So that's not a discretionary thing. But when it comes to food, for example, people have adjusted and people have consumed less meat. And that's not fun, but it is self-regulating because eventually when people stop buying stuff that has become too expensive to buy, the supplier wants to sell it. So they start taking a hit and selling it for less.
And that seems to be, as Aaron was saying, what's happening is they've been passing everything on to the consumer. And the consumer then said, I'm not going to buy this anymore. And they went, OK, well, what price would you buy it for? So all of this is uh, some fairly solid and encouraging economic news. Um, let's take a short break and then kind of set the table and a lot of economic stories this morning. So Preet Banerjee is um, in the saddle this morning for the morning brief. He'll be able to weigh in on this and other issues and then we'll set you up for the next half hour. That's the Breakfast Wrap. Thanks for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.